Every time I catch a shot of myself, I realise that I had a fight with a hedge streamer. What do you mean? Oh, look at my hair. Where's it all? It's all gone. This is not good podcast chat. Like, no. How much you pay for? How much you pay for a haircut? How much do I pay for a haircut? Um, it's twelve pounds, but I give him fifteen. Mm, I pay twenty now. Wow. That's living in the big was, city for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It, is. it was 17. Yeah, it was 17. Now it's 20. But I've, it, it's been refurbished recently, so maybe they're, maybe that's it. Maybe they've increased that extra £3 each time is paying for the refurbishment, I think. Well, I think the, the barber industry, I really didn't expect to talk about this. The barber <laughs> industry has been like, it's always been like gentrified, hasn't it? It's like become massively hipster in the last few years. Like mm. one of my mates from back home in Devon has become a barber in the last few years and he's absolutely brilliant at it and he's got his own little thing. But he's suddenly, he's changed his whole persona based on his career. So he was like this sort of meek, shy lad, really mm. nice, really lovable. But now he's like got this big hipster beard. He's, you know, got the trendy haircut, yeah. hats all over his body. It's just, it's, it's such a strange transformation. It sort of becomes like a lifestyle rather than a career, doesn't it? But... You're like a, it's like if you're a Barbie, you like become like a human shop window, don't you? You, got a, <laughs> yeah. if you, you can't look back, can you? Because then if you're doing someone else's well, if hair. If he's got a rubbish haircut, I can't. Um... Oh, hang on, it might be my kid's school. Let me just answer this. Yeah, go on. Hello? It is, yeah. Yeah. No worries. No, that's okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Right. Sorry about that. Turn my phone off. There's always a bit of a panic when your uh, children's nursery or school is over from you. But apparently, I yeah. just, I'd just forgotten to fill out my date of birth on a on a form. What were we talking about? Barbers. Haircuts. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? When I was living in London, I used to pay like 25 quid because it was like the cheapest that was around me. And I really liked the guy that did it, but he mm. never, ever did a good job. And I feel really horrible saying that. And it's, I think it's okay to say it because nobody's ever going to know who it is unless they go traipsing around the barbers of Southwest London. But yeah, it was, I just, I never had the guts to go anywhere else because I just knew this guy. I'd been going to him for years. And I sort of like, I mean, during lock, what did you do during lockdown? I just cut my own hair. And it was my my flatmate, we, we we left it for as long as possible. And my flatmate um, did did our hair. Um, I'll have to send you a picture because it is it is brilliant. Like <laughs> at the time, it didn't look that bad. It, it was quite bad. We we were using, we just had like a razor, and we sort of just marked a spot where we wanted to just cut it, and we just sort of go like that. So we'd all just we'd all just have it would be dead long on top, and then just. And then, then it would be like cut there. Well, that's no good for the listeners. But like above the ear, the top would be the top would be long, and the rest of it would be shaved. Oh, I but it, it, it did the job for the for the time being, anyway. Yeah, I just bought some clippers and I just went round the back and sides, and mm. I just went into the top. But it's really difficult cutting your own hair with a mirror. Obviously, I had some help, but yeah. Well, no one even, no one would see it anyway, would they? So technically, it didn't matter. I'm not sure if you started this barber chat or if I started it, but I feel like you've done it to distract from me asking you about the Arsenal. <laughs> no, no. Although I would rather not talk about that. All right, we, um, can, we can leave that. Should we? Should we go and talk about some golf instead? Yeah, yeah. Come on, then. Well, I'm starting to sound a bit like a broken record, but it's another victory for the Callaway paradigm, this time in the hands of Simon Forstrom at the Sudal Open. 
by my reckoning, and by my, I mean my stato at Callaway, that's 22 wins across the main tours this year, as well as Rosang at the Anwar, of course. Just phenomenal stuff. And if Callaway haven't got an ad campaign lined up along the lines of buy a paradigm, become the goat, then I don't know what else I can do. So who else won this week? On the LPGA, we had Jin Young Ko. And she mm-hmm. actually had a Callaway Epic Flash Fairway Woods in her bag for her 26 career win. She's still only 27, which I find astonishing. Does Ko, I, I think Jin Young Ko has a case for being the best golfer in the world right now. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's won at least one professional title, either on the LPGA of career or the LPGA, every year since 2014 when she was 19. I mean, she has a bit of a case of the Rory McIlroy's having only managed to win two majors, both in 2019, and hasn't been able to get over the line since, despite a raft of top tens, but just a phenomenal player. Yes, well, certainly at the at the Founders' Cup as well, the Cognizant Founders' Cup. It's the third time she's won it in four years. Well, technically five, but I think it was cancelled in for COVID in 2020. But um, yeah. Beating Minji Lee, who's the defending champion as well, in a playoff. The end was so exciting for for, for many reasons. Um, the part that Jin Young Ko hold to get into the playoff was absolutely well, just just clutch down the hill. Perhaps he poured it in to code on the day. Ko and Madeline Sagstrom were the only players to break seventy out of the entire field. So it was an incredibly tough final round um, in New Jersey where it was played. There were two scores of eighty. So to shoot 67 and get into a playoff was absolutely out- outstanding. Um, she, come, she comes the only the second multiple winner on the, on the tour this season um, with L- Lilia Vu. It was a shame to see the way the playoff panned out when at the way sort of Minji Lee three putting. Um, you'd rather see someone win it rather than someone yeah, lose it, wouldn't course, you? Yeah. I mean, she. I mean, Minji um, Lee's another player who's in fine form. I just think if I if you said to me, right, something astronomical you're gonna your your life your house or whatever depends on one player making a putt from any distance I think Jin Young Ko would be very Mm. high if not top of my list right now she's absolutely phenomenal I mean it was almost talking about Minji Lee almost uh, an all-time weekend for Australian golf we had Lee losing out in the LPGA playoff to Ko Cameron Smith had the same fate at Live Golf Tulsa which we'll come to later but Jason Day did manage to get over the line at the Byron Nelson Stiffing it at 18 for a tap-in birdie in a round of 62 for a one-shot win over Siwoo Kim and Austin Ekro. It was a very poignant victory too, wasn't it? Day has suffered from debilitating back issues as well as bouts of vertigo, which have seen him pull out of events. The victory also came on Mother's Day, uh, his first win since his, his mother. Denning passed away last year, of course. A truly emotional day. Couldn't really have wished for a more worthy victor and we've we've been saying it for a while now day is knocking on the door isn't he and that's his 13th pga tour title it sort of felt inevitable really he's been playing really well this year yeah um i've always liked jason day something happened when i went to the open in 2011 at st george's so it's obviously very convenient where i lived in dover at the time me and my mum went to we went to the practice that went the practice day on the wednesday and me and well, it might have been during the actual golf i can't remember the actual championship days i can't remember but me and my mum went right up onto the fifth tee box just to get right up close to the action and Jason Day sort of came over close to us and it, 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 it could have been his mum to be fair I, I don't really know I don't know if he has any siblings but it was a, a female family member sort of passed him some food j- during the rounds and he was like right sort of right up close next to us so that was one of my first like memories of Jason Day 
when I started watching golf at around that time, it was, um, he was one of the better players, sort of contending every single week. And it, it, it seems quite mad that um, this weekend was 13 years since his first win in the PGA Tour. That is that's some, even, you know, even that makes me feel old, let alone... At the same tournament, of course. Yeah. Makes me feel old, let alone other people on this po- on this podcast. All right. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, he, again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he had his he had his mother's name on, on on his bib, which was which was very poignant as well. And he's often struggled to just get through tournaments um, with with vertigo and and back injuries and things, let alone actually compete. So it was brilliant. It was brilliant to see like a player with such longevity in the game. Um, win, win again, the first time in five years, and what a way to do it! Like a bogey free sixty-two in the last round, absolutely brilliant. I think the conditions of the course very much set up for um, a low scoring, like a low scoring day. Um, so yeah, yeah, just 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 really exciting, and it sets up very well for, for for this coming week at the PGA because well, I imagine his odds of cut in half for for a start. And he he played very well at Oak Hill in 2013 as well. So I'm assuming a lot of people will be having him on their betting slips this week. Yeah, we'll get to the PGA in a bit. Mm. I mean, of course, he he won the PGA in 15. I was just reminding myself of just how good he was in that year or so. You forget. I mean, he won he won the Farmers Insurance Open, then the Canadian, then the PGA, then the Barclays, then the BMW Championship, all in 2015. And then a few months later, he won the API, followed by the Dell Match Play, followed by the Players' Championship. I mean, you just forget how good he was. And of course, he was number world number one in that time as well. Unbelievable. Well, what I just wanted to say, how many weeks do you reckon um, he spent at world number one? And don't, 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 don't like base your answer around... It's quite a loaded question, that isn't it? It's just, <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think I think I lead you into saying a certain answer. If, if what, how many weeks do you reckon he spent at World Number I, One? No, I I genuinely spend t- time on the World Number One Wikipedia page because I like writing those mm. about players that have been World Number One and comparing players to players. But <sighs> I haven't been on it for a while, Jason Day. I think I mean, given what I've just said with those victories that we were just talking about from the Farmers Insurance Open in February 15 through to the Players' Championship in May 16. I'm going to say that he was world number one for a year, just over a year, maybe. Oh, sorry, they do it in weeks, don't they? So I'll, yeah. I'll say like 52, 53 weeks. Oh, 51. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. But to be honest, I couldn't really... I, I, I think that sort of shows how, how underrated he is. Um, yeah. As a world number one player and a major champion, there's only one, two, three, four, five, six. There's only, there's only eight players in in history who have spent, or since the rankings began, who have spent more weeks at world number one than him. John Rahm spent 52 weeks exactly, but he's got. Well, that's obviously going to keep going up and up and up. I was going to say to you actually, can I try and guess the eight? And I don't think John Rahm would have been one of them. Obviously, Tiger, Norman, DJ, McIlroy, Faldo, Basteros. I don't reckon you'll get the other one. I wouldn't have said John Rahm. I'm trying to think of other world number one players who would have spent a bit of time up there. Maybe Vijay Singh. No, I want to say he was less than a year, actually. Just because of the Tiger thing. Mm. 33 weeks, Vijay Singh. Maybe. Well, we actually, we had that run, didn't we, where Donald was number one for quite a long time before Westwood took over. Mm. What was the other way around? 
Oh, I'll go Luke Donald, please. Yeah, he had fifty six points. Oh, come on! Which is which is quite which is quite mad again. You know, you'd, there's a lot of recency bias in this world number one debate, isn't there? But you think back and fifty six weeks is ages. Um, but Jason Day spent more weeks at one number one than than Brooks Kepka with forty seven weeks more more than Nick Price forty four more than Scheffler. Well, there's more there's more for Scheffler. There's more for Scheffler to come, isn't there? You think of Brooks Kepka's major run? You think that? And he's, yeah, exactly. Incredible. Exactly, incredible. and Jordan Spieth only twenty six weeks, so I think it just all adds up to how incredible Jason Day has been on the PJ Tour. I mean, thirteen wins is loads. That that, that, that is such that is such a good resume. Um, I think it's quite easy to forget that he's actually a major champion, and I think that I think that sort of adds to the the idea that maybe the US PGA is 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 a bit is one of the less exciting, well, pr- probably the least exciting major um, for, for 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 different reasons, but. I am pulling yeah. the face at you because I absolutely. I mean, I love it. I think it's well, I mean, I love it as well. But it's it's if you had to rank them, it would be number four, wouldn't it? Uh, who are we asking, me or Gary Player? <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose so. I love all the majors dearly. Mm. The, Open, the Open is number one. I, I actually, I generally prefer the PGA to the US Open. There, I said it. Do you? I just, I just think it's more fun. I think the US, the US Open. Is I quite like watching the players have to really grind out a victory at the US Open, and you really sort of separate the players mm. in that tournament. But it it just sometimes, even for viewers, it can just feel like a bit of a slog. I mean, think mm. of all the recent PGA. We've had so many fun PGAs in recent years. I mean, especially like the last ten years or so, going back to Duffner in thirteen, obviously Mickelson a couple of years ago, Justin Thomas coming. Yeah. Through back last year like it's like I, I, the PGA always pulls out a really cool story I think we should shout out Tyrrell Hutton as well 20 under par at the Byron Nelson I mean this guy is playing just some phenomenal golf I mean he's in the we're going to talk about the PGA more in depth later but he's in the frame for a major victory isn't he like surely he's getting over the line at some point he's just playing unre- but it sort of also feels like he needs to take advantage of this good form that he's in I know. I, th- I think, and he'll, he'll be good odds this week, I'm sure as well. And he, he, he is in cracking form. He, he arguably should have won the Arnold Palmer, and where he came, came tied fourth, and he came second at the Players. But he was never really going to win that because Scheffler was quite like rampant that, that that week. But yeah, second at the Players, third tied third at the Wells Fargo, tied fifth here. So he's 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 a bit of a cash machine for himself at the minute. But I don't know. Did you look at him? I thought I could look at him a bit like Fleetwood. Um, betting, betting at majors, like it's nice to back them, but are they actually going to win? It's, it's, it's that sort of thing. He is certainly approaching like a, like a formidable presence on the PGA Tour. Where you're thinking, in terms of the Ryder Cup as well, you're thinking he's going to play most sessions and he's going to score. You think quite a lot of points for, for Europe, so, so, so that all adds up quite well as well. But yeah, I'd, he's one of those players. That I think it's good. He's good odds. He's having a brilliant season, but is he actually going to win? It's a really strange one, isn't it? Because I think you, you mentioned Hatton and Fleetwood there who do feel like... Take Fitzpatrick out of the equation because he's a major champion. Take Rose out of the equation because he's a major champion. Let's look at these two players. If you said to me, who's going to finish highest at the PGA Championship this week, I'd probably say Fleetwood. Fleetwood is more likely to put together four solid rounds of golf for a mm. top 10, whereas Hatton just has that 
part of him that could just explode and end up missing the cut by a mile. But if you said to me, you have to back one of them to win, I'm absolutely going with Hatton. Yeah. Regardless of Fleetwood's consistency, it feels like Hatton has the that extra little level to, to go on and win. So I sort of feel like Hatton will either win or miss the cut by a mile, whereas Fleetwood will just have that kind of consistency in the middle, somewhere middle of the road, kind of top 20, top 15 maybe. Yeah, and if, if you look at if you look at um, uh, Till Hatton's major record, if if you were to choose one major, he would be most likely to win. It'd probably be the Open. If yeah. he's finished, if finished tied fifth, tied sixth, and tied eleventh. Um, although he's missed quite a few cuts at the Open, actually, he's missed the cuts six times at the Open since two thousand and ten. However, he has had those two, two or three good finishes. Um, in terms of the PGA Championship, he's had two top tens since two thousand and fifteen but not really in contention. If you look at major contention, that, that, that is one respect I think you would have to, um, you'd have to prefer with Fleetwood. Um, he came time fourth at the Open last year. I suppose it was a bit of a backdoor fourth. So I don't think he was actually in contention. Um, similar to his tied fifth at the PGA last year as well. I, I don't really remember Fleetwood having a chance of winning. Um, it was more sort of Pereira, Fitzpatrick and, and Thomas, wasn't it? But those, 2017, well, that was the year really Fleetwood announced himself, wasn't it? 2017-2018, back-to-back fourth and second at the US Open. That, uh, I think I still have those in my memory and thinking Fleetwood can definitely take advantage of, of, of difficult setups. And when you look at the setup at Oak Hill, I mean, it might it might um, favour long hitters because you've got you've got the what's known as the long way home. The last three holes are three par fours. Of 458 yards, 502 yards, and 497 yards. So although they, although they, it might suit longer hitters, Fleetwood clearly benefits from tougher setups. So I think he's got a bit more major pedigree. So I'd agree in the sense of who's more likely to win this this week out of Hatton and Fleetwood. Maybe on pedigree it'd be Fleetwood, but on current form, you, you'd, you wouldn't be surprised at all if Hatton was contending, would you? It's interesting what you say about Oak Hill, isn't it? Because they've, they've changed it around. Now, I chatted to Jason Duffner at the Players, who's pulled out this week. I write a feature about him. <laughs> 10 years on from his from his win at Oak Hill, and he's gone and been pulled out, hasn't he? But For no perceived reason. Um, I mean, he wasn't... Yeah, we, he hasn't said yet, has he? Should I text him and ask him? He hasn't... Um, <laughs> when I spoke to him, he talked about how it suited him perfectly of course he it was a very different golf course back then and, and Duffner was by no means one of the longer players and he he told me that he was able to just plot his way around the golf course and that's how he ended up winning because essentially the bombers were just running out of space uh, it's probably going to be slightly different this week but it sort of feels to me like Fleetwood has that about him that he has that kind of plotter he's obviously you know he's not a short player by any stretch but he also has that kind of and Oak Hill feels like a plotter's paradise and a Fleetwood could actually surprise us in that sense yeah it's it's it's, it's very interesting Re- reading up on Oak Hill um this uh, last week and this week it's it's incredible it's incredible how the, how the course has changed and been formed um it, it was actually originally like the character of it, it was actually originally formed by um Ice Age um, remnants um, with the masses of rocks and sediment that, that were left there by, um, supposedly by a glacier thousands of years ago. Um, and it's, it's, it's so interesting reading about the actual course. Um, it's been restored and altered quite a bit um, since it was first designed by Donald Ross, I believe. So the way, the way we were talking about 
where we rank the USPJ in terms of majors as well. This that, that, that's another. This could be another reason why. Um, there's no reason why this can't be one of the most exciting ones this year. And I, th- I think I think it suffers in the way that, in terms of where you rank them, I think it suffers in the way that the Masters, the Masters, is Augusta. Everyone loves it. Mm. The Open's unique because it's on Lynx courses and it's got a massive like U- UK bias in terms of popularity. So okay. it would be between the US Open and the US PGA. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Because obviously the US Open has the history the same as the the Open does. The only one, obviously, that's pre twentieth century. But I, I, no, I, I love PJ Week. I've already said it. I think it's fantastic fun. I think it's always it always delivers, even when you have the unexpected winners. It seems like it's brilliant fun, and 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 it has more of a uh, when you have those unexpected winners like a, a Sean McKeel or someone like that. I always think it's just uh, we love to see the top players winning, but every now and then at a major, we just love to see those guys come through and and see how they handle that situation, don't we? I mean, we mentioned Sean McKeel on here on this podcast a lot because we asked that question about whether you would have rather have Lee Westwood's career or Sean McKeel's career. Mm. We were even talking about it last week, I think. But it's it's absolutely to take nothing away from from that achievement and genuinely just uh, it's genuinely just four days of really enjoyable golf, and it's combined with a major as well so it's always on really cool golf courses as well which helps there's always a cool story uh, I, I, name me the last time there was a, a, a pga championship where there wasn't a cool story you'd have to go back mm. just before we talk about who's going to win the pga should we just have a little chat about live because obviously there was a live golf yeah also this week it was a really exciting finish to be fair it gets a lot of stick live for maybe not being as popular as the pga tour or not garnering as much interest but the end of this tournament was very exciting with the playoff of, well, even before the playoff, um, all rolling in birdies left, right and centre after a lot, after a lengthy weather, weather delay. Um, Johnson, Cameron Smith, Brandon Grace. Um, Cameron Smith was really bringing back um, memories of St Andrews last year where he was just rolling in so many, so many brilliant putts while in contention. Um, that is something I'll never get bored of watching. To be fair, no matter what tour they play on, which Cameron Smith rolling in putts and, and and just playing well in general. Um, it was most it's the most well attended um, live event in America so far, I think. And you could see that. To be fair, on the footage and on on the coverage, there were big crowds in Tulsa at Cedar Ridge, which it came it came about quite interestingly how it, it got to Cedar Ridge. I, I believe um, I think Golf dot com reported a story that Charles Howell. Um, it was one of the six Oklahoma um, alumni, I think, um, to to be playing last week. And he rang the president of Cedar Ridge and made initial contact in November. And that's how it came about that it, that, that event went to Oklahoma and, and Cedar Ridge. Um, and that could explain why it was so popular, it seems, because there were big crowds um, and there were good, it was good scoring. There were 361s throughout the week, I believe. It was Cameron Smith, Howard Barr and Brandon Grace. 61s, that, 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 that is great. That is great golf, no matter what course or what tour it's on. Um, and a really exciting exciting finish. I think, having seen it, um, I think you saw a lot of the qualities of the team format this week, I think. For example, Dean Burmester was in like ninth or 10th place and he rolled in a birdie and he proper fist pumped and gave it because it helped Stinger um, to get to the top of the... or it helped Stinger to win... Um, the team leaderboard. He wasn't ever going to win you individual because you hold a birdie. He was buzzing for his team. Well, Sting is the all South African team. Yeah. He, so he, there's a bit more Dean cohesion Burmester, in that sense, isn't there? Dean Burmester has 
replaced Henny Duplessis in that, hasn't he? They, they, I mean, that's their first team victory since the very first event. The first one. Year, last year. And again, poignant because it was, you know, a week after John Bland's death. And of course, yeah. Louis Oosthuizen obviously spoke about it afterwards. I think I, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, but Liv, what Live Golf has for it is obviously really good players. But it needs those really good players to deliver in order mm. to get people interested. I mean, I'm if I, again, I've said this before, but I'll tune into Live if it gets to Sunday or the final day, and I see that you know DJ Kepka, Deshambo, Smith, all that lot are in contention. If they're not. I'm probably not that interested. Whereas mm. a tour event on a Sunday, I'll, I'll tune in on a Sunday night, whoever's in contention. Um, so uh, that's sort of the difference for me. And, and it has delivered this week. Like fair play, it did deliver. Again, I can't, can't really get past the fact that I'm not really a massive fan of the, the tour itself. And the fact that this just doesn't really feel like they're playing for anything other than a shed load of cash. But Obviously, this week it's there was sort of that extra element, wasn't there, with the you know for the, certainly for the guys going to the PGA with that trying to take momentum into into Oak Hill. Mm. Um, yeah, and the 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 top eleven was 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 full of um, big names and former PGA Tour players. Um, what the, the most recognisable players on 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 the Live Golf Tour? DJ Cameron Smith, Brooks Kepka, Bryson Neiman, Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed. They're all in the top eleven. So, so that's what that's what live. That's ideally what live want every week, really, isn't it? And it was very close between the was four aces, stingers, and range goats. They're all competing for the for for, for the, the the top cash prize. Um, I think. You, sorry, do you not still find the team thing a bit confusing? Do I, I still feel like they quite haven't got it right yet. Yeah, I do know what you mean. Um. Like I feel like it's just I feel like all the time I'm just trying to desperately trying to work out what uh, now I don't know if that's a fault of live and they've got actually got the team thing bang on but they just need someone to explain it constantly. Um, that is we, true. We have, yeah, we don't have the information that they have when we're watching on TV, so they need to be telling us yeah. what's going is, on in, yeah. the, in, the team, in the team aspect of it because that for me is the one thing. Like if it, if it's too confusing. I'm just not going to follow it, and sometimes I do find it's a bit like that. I do think I think on previous podcasts I have complimented how they did like a, before the very first event this year they did a video using using the live players explaining the format, which was really informative and quite good. But I think they've only shown it. Well, I've only seen it once, and that was before the first event this year. Hmm. So they may, they maybe should. It's never, it's, um, but it's never, it's never the team format I have an issue with. It's just mm. the actual following it live I have an issue with because I just yeah. In terms of the presentation, it. yeah. Well, obviously, with the individual thing, it's easier, much easier to follow the leaderboard. Mm. But when you're when you've got a list of teams in front of you and their scores, and you're trying to, you're thinking, oh well, Dean Burmester's here and he's got to do this, and if he holds this, like it needs someone to explain it to you. Now, mm. this is not a diss on the team format at all because I think that's probably the best thing. Liv has got going for it and you know even way before Liv was even a thing yeah I mean I I certainly was in favour of uh, a season-long team format that ran concurrently with the PGA Tour and I still think that should be the case Mm. Uh, of course they would just get accused of copying Liv if they did it now yeah they would yeah but it just it just feels like it needs that element of common sense where someone says right this is what's going on and I I know I 
I mean, the commentary team are a bit over the top and a bit. It, it's, it's almost it's a bit put, 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 um, it puts me off a little bit, really, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and also, it doesn't really help that half of them don't know anything about golf. You might as well have me and you on there. Yeah. So that sort of feels like a massive open goal missed in my in my opinion. I do agree with that. The the like the exaggeration and the over celebrating. Um, the the over not over celebrating, but yeah, well, just exaggeration of someone holding a birdie putt. Yeah. Um, reminds nothing me of those. Will ever, nothing will ever beat the Centurion event. When, what's his name? Arlo White. When Arlo White, yeah. was, when he went, oh, live golf history is made with the first ever bird. Actually, he's English, isn't he? Why am I? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> but he got really excited about the first ever bird. Yeah. Being like yeah. History, live golf history because the birds are. He'd fit in. He'd fit in well at that box park that Arlo White, wouldn't he? When he would <laughs> score, <laughs> score gold against Iran. He was probably in the commentary box flinging beer over. His <laughs> yeah. <golf. laughs> But um, I, was, I, was, I was sort of thinking, the, the more DJ wins as well on the, on the live tour, I wonder how many, what's the money threshold where DJ just calls it a day? Because he's he's won, I think he's won over 40 million now since he started on the live. And that's, he's played 14 events now. Um, and he's won 40 million. And that's more than half of what he earned on the PGA Tour. And God, he was on the PGA Tour for years, wasn't he? So I was sort of thinking, I wonder what the threshold is for these players. Well, let's not forget he was he was handed one hundred and twenty. Well, the thing is though, he he'll be the thing when he was handed his great big wad of cash at the start when he signed for Liv, he would have been told he has to he signed up for X amount of years. I suppose that is yeah, that is true. It'll be the same with all of them who had massive pay. Yeah. So, but I suppose I'm not sort of referring to him sort of calling it a day tomorrow, but. It's just, it's, do, you mean, do you mean returning to the PJ Tour or just retiring? I just mean retiring, like fish for the rest of my life. Well, he, he's a very laid back. Well, he seems like a very laid back, carefree, straightforward bloke. So, so, say for example, his contract is five years. I can't imagine it'd be longer than that, would it? I don't think so. I don't. I I've got a sense memory of reading about all the contracts being three years at the time. Well, let's say he's. Let's say he. He's got a three-year contract then, and we are one and a half years into that supposedly, aren't we? And he's earned forty million. So that's so he could earn up to eighty million in three years, plus what he's been paid to do it anyway. So that could be nearly two hundred million in three years that that he could earn by joining Live. So at what point? Surely he will say he wants to play less golf anyway. So. He could he could potentially play no golf soon and, and and be absolutely fine because that amount of money would set up would set up anyone like I know you obviously have to fund your lifestyle and I'm sure he's got lots of lots of houses and cars and things so you have to fund your own lifestyle of course don't you but say if you won up to two hundred million in three years plus what he got paid to do it surely that's going to be calling it a day territory. I think it's probably safe to say that he had enough money to call it a day before he joined Liv. Mm, yeah. He's, you know, he'd, he'd won something, was it 75 million or something on the PGA Tour before yeah. he went to Liv? So I think he's probably, I mean, I don't know how much it costs to have Paulina Gretzky as your girlfriend, but, you know, she's not exactly <laughs> sure the bobble to herself, is she? Well, so, exactly, you know, yeah. She's got, she's got a fair few dollars in the bank of, of her own accord. So I don't know. It's like you say, you talk about a lifestyle which is 
presumably private jets and 25 million mm. dollar mansions all over the world so i i you just get to a point and we said this when live was created didn't we we said well how much mm. money do you actually need how much more money does west would need or porter need or whoever and the reality is that the only players it did a favour for in, fun, in a financial sense was the lower rung players like the, mm. uh, the open trees and, and players like that. But Yeah, that is true. I, just, I, I think also we shouldn't take away from the fact that DJ loves golf. It's all he's ever been. It's all he's ever known. Yeah, yeah. And he does love playing golf. And, he, you know, it, I think it's easy just to think that because perhaps he's like dumb as rocks, that it's quite easy just to think <laughs> that actually he's not that interested in playing and he just does it because he's like mad good at it. But I think when he, you know, when he won the masters, yeah, his, his, his emotion after his near major wins, um, particularly those ones where mm. the, the crushing, I mean, you look at the U S open when he shot 82 and you know, the, the incident in the, in the wasteland. And then you saw the emotion when he finally did get over the line. And then of course the yeah, emotion. True. Tiger was putting the green jacket on him, and it was sort of, I, uh, from my recollection, it was the first time we'd seen DJ in yeah. tears. Um, and the St George's when he was when he was playing against Darren Clark at St George's as well when he shanked it out of bounds. Of course, I don't, I don't think we should take take it away from him in that sense. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think he's, I don't think he's one of the ones that's regretting being. I think if he if he carries on slumping at the majors, I mean, he obviously didn't have a very good Masters a couple of months ago. But if he if he carries on slumping at the majors a couple of months ago, last month, <laughs> then I think perhaps he'll start thinking, well, what what am I doing wrong? Like, is is Liv not yeah. affecting my? Because he just wants he wants to win majors. He wants money and he wants to win majors. That's all he cares about. Mm. Uh, so I, I wonder if that will play on his mind. It'll be interesting to see how he how he fares at the PGA this week. So perhaps we should move think, over to mm. that. Do you fancy DJ this week at all? I think I'd fancy Kepka more than I'd fancy DJ, to be honest. Is that purely based on his Masters performance? or? Yes, yeah. I, I've, not purely, but that is a big factor. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't want to want to back him. He, he's won on the Live Tour this year, then 19th, then 3rd, then 6th. And I know, I know they're playing in smaller fields, but there's no reason why that doesn't mean he still isn't playing good golf. Um, and I think he's found a bit more hunger after... Sort of, he's got a bit. He's like a clean bill of health. He's got now, isn't it? He's he's not doesn't seem to be hampered by any injuries anymore. Um, playing with more of a smile on his face, I think it, it certainly looks that way. Hmm. And although he couldn't really, he got swallowed a bit by John Rahm at the Masters, but he could he could definitely have won the Masters, Kepka. Um, but I do think that is a that that is a reason why you you wouldn't side with a P, a, a lib player over a PJ Tour player at the USPJ this week, for example, because. I think people like Dustin, Patrick Reed, Brooks, Mickelson, they're just at, at the majors now. They're just relying on pure talent and pure uh, experience as opposed to solid weeks of form, if you know what I mean. Like, for example, Till Hatton, he's got solid weeks of form to suggest that he could go on and win this week. However, Kepka and Johnson and Breed are making fleeting um, appearances on a different tour. So I think they're very much using experience over form, whereas people like Hatton and PJ Tour players who play regularly and play regularly well are using form over experience. Um, having said that, I, I, I do think Kepka has form. And so um, 
I think, yeah, the clean bit of health thing is certainly a big factor for me. I, I'd favour him. I favour him over um, Dustin. I think I did have a, I did have a little look at um, Mickelson's odds. I think he's over. I think he's about 160, 150 to one. Um, maybe not. Maybe not this week. Looking back on the Masters, I mean, what a hell of an effort to come to come tied second. Unbelievable. But that was Augusta, wasn't it? He's won there a few times. Whereas this is this is Oak Hill. Of course, he wouldn't be as familiar with as Augusta. So maybe on that occasion, he was he was favoured by being so familiar with the course. So maybe not, not, not this week for Phil. With Kepka at, uh, Augusta, there was obviously a lot of chat about the fact that he's gone to live, which is just three rounds of golf rather than four intense mm. rounds of golf. Obviously, he was mustered on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then fell away on the Sunday. Do you think there's anything in that at all? I mean, the uh, perhaps the Mickelson finishing second just dismisses that argument straight away. But like you say, Mickelson and, and Augusta go together like PB and J. Mm, they do. Our American listeners there. <laughs> they do. And and yeah, that that'll be a big factor for him for him finishing second there. Um, but in terms of actual who I think will win, I don't see why um Matt Fitzpatrick can't 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 play well again. Um he wasn't he wasn't maybe at, at his best at Quail Hollow recently with the Wells Fargo. He finished high thirty fifth. But before that, he won the Wells. He won the RBC Heritage. Um, he's been quite quiet on. Um, he's been quite quiet on the PJ on on the sort of schedule front since winning the Heritage. Um, but he, he he arguably should have won last year at the PGA. A few sort of mistakes led to led to him finishing fifth. But he's more seasoned now, more experienced. He won the US Open um, since then. So a lot of learning curves have been taken since coming fifth at the PGA last year. So I'd say Fitzpatrick would be one that I'd expect to expect to be challenging. Is, is Fitzpatrick your pick? I think so. Yeah, I think that he, he'd be my main. He'd be my main. My main one. Yeah. He's been struggling with injury a bit this year, hasn't he? And he had that wonderful week at the Heritage where he won and beat Spieth in the in the playoff. And again, talking of injuries, Jordan Spieth he pulled out of the. Byron Nelson, which he was obviously devastated about, is in his hometown, of course, and he he always shows up in Texas, regardless of what's going on. <sighs> obviously, if he wins this week, it's a grand slam. So there's that as well. I there was nothing on God's green earth would make me happier than a Jordan Spieth victory this week, uh, winning, completing the grand slam, something that only a handful of players have actually done. Mm. But oh, it is the. The injury is just too concerning for me, I think. I'm going to actually go for another Dallas player, and that's Scotty Scheffler. I just feel like every time this guy tees up, I I just I can't see anyone else winning. When I tuned into the golf on Sunday night and he was sort of 15, 16 under par and obviously went on to finish 20 under. And yeah, this is in his hometown, so he's sleep, you know, staying in his own house. He doesn't have to stay in a hotel or anything like that. And I mean, can you really think of any better preparation than finishing 20 under par in a tournament, you know, three off the three off the winner. You, you don't have to have all the ob- obligations that come with winning the tournament or the, you know, the added pressure that goes on your game from having to push through and win a tournament. You've stayed in your own bed for the entire week. It's just, I mean, I, I don't think Scotty Scheffler could have asked. I mean, he, he will obviously say, I, I want to, to win the tournament, but I don't think he could have, aside from winning the tournament, I don't think he could have asked for a better week, really. So he's mm. my main pick. I did text our resident tipster, Tom Jacobs, to ask him for his pick. He's, of course, busily, we're recording now Monday morning, he's busily preparing his picks for the PGA, but we will just give, he did text back with a little teaser, so I'll just read it out. He says, oh, he's gone for an Englishman, okay. 
I'm going to be backing Justin Rose. So we've been talking about Fitzpatrick. He's your mm-hmm. pick. We did talk about Hatton and Fleetwood's chances before. So Tom is going for, for JR. Uh, this is why he says he's playing a bit better than his results suggest, having been top 10 going into the final day at Augusta and was also second going into the weekend at the Heritage. Now he returns to the PGA, a major that he plays well. He also has a great record on Donald Ross courses. I don't know what his mm. record is like on um, icebergs. With a, <laughs> uh, with a win and a playoff loss at Aronimink and two runner-up finishes at the Tour Championship. Now, if you want to add some geography to it, Tom also adds that Rose's only major victory, of course, came in the Northeast. Now, before we discuss Justin Rose, you can read, I'll just give a little shout out to Tom because you can read his full preview over on nationalclubgolfer.com where he's got a few other picks. Uh, and you can listen to his podcast as well, which is a fantastic podcast if you're into betting and, and things like that. It's called Lost Four Words. That's for F-O-R-E like the golf term. So not only do you get great tips, you get some lovely wordplay. Mm. So Justin Rose? Oh, we, should have English, we should have an English top five this week, aren't we? I know. I know. Um, well, he's, he's, he's very good odds. I think it's about 100, 100 to 1. Um, and I, I, I do... I'll be, I'll be taking Justin Rose each way at three, at three figures, absolutely. Yeah, I think that is a good shout from Tom. Um he, he makes, well, I don't know it's his job, but he's, he's, brilliant, he's brilliant at it, Tom. You, you, you read his previews. Um, and it's hard not to just back every every player he chooses because because all of his research is so thorough. Like in terms of players playing well in course designs, um, how 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 well they've played, maybe not in the last round, but how they well they've played in tournaments up until the last round, when just another day could have made it different. But yeah, he's he, he's huge odds. He, he he's won one one at Pebble Beach this year, um, and then he came sixth at Players. He's having a bit of a resurgence, isn't he? Um, maybe with the Ryder Cup in mind. So, and then obviously a, a win or a good finish here would would propel him up um, the Ryder Cup standings as well. So I think he's always got that in mind as well. Um, I think Tom gave a little a little shout out to Victor Hovland too. Well, I don't want to spoil the the, the, the piece. But yeah, yeah Victor, well, Victor Hovland feels like he's sort of fallen away a little bit. I mean, he had a good week at the Masters and then drifted towards the end. I mean, the Patrick Cantlay thing, of course, but. I... Hovland, for me, feels like he's sort of one of those players that has come bursting out of the blocks. And then we all sort of go, he's surely going to win a major. Let's back, let's back him mm. for every single major. And then he does really well. And then he sort of just fades away a little bit. So it's for him, it sort of feels to me like it's a question of whether or not he can actually just get over the line. Yeah. I love him to win. He'd be an incredibly popular winner, especially as a European. Incredibly, yeah. Incredibly frustrating to watch Hovland sometimes because he had that finish at the Masters. Um, and then the Heritage, he shot a 64 in the first round. Then shot seventy eight in the third in the third round, and then yeah. the Wells Fargo. He had sixty six on Saturday, then seventy seven on Sunday. So, is you do bang your head against the wall sometimes with with Hovland. But having said that, he he he's finished tied third at the Players, tenth tied tenth at the Arnold Palmer. But it is it is just that question. We have to we we have to see it until we're convinced. I think if if he can yeah. get over the line on Sundays, we're very European biased so far. And in our in our PJ preview, but I, I am anyway. I think we you, have to, you, don't we? Yeah, yeah. I, I am anyway. You, you've chosen Scheffler, and especially and, the Ryder Cup year. Yeah, but it, but I, I think I think Rose is definitely is, is definitely um, tempting. Um, I think Brooks. I don't know. I'll have to do a bit. Of, might have to do a bit, bit of shopping around for Brooks because I can see twenty to one. Um, I'd want, I think I'd want slightly more for a live player. I think just just purely because 
the PGA Tour players who play regularly well on the PGA Tour have just got more practice, haven't they? It's more repetition. So you're going for Fitzpatrick. TJ's going for Rose. I'm going for Scheffler. So there we go. Go and put your money on, folks, and don't complain to us mm-hmm. when you don't win anything because we're not what well, Tom's an expert, but Matt and I aren't. <laughs> yeah. so Blame Tom if you want. So maybe the three of us need a little wager between between us about mm. the highest, and then obviously if 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 Scheffler and or finish above Justin Rose, we can we can take TJ to task on it. Definitely, it'd be All nice right. to get over on an expert as well. Absolutely, I've had enough of talking about golf, so uh, I'm going to go write <laughs> about it instead. Before you go, I think I should just, I'm just i just going to plug our PGA Championship preview. First of all, if you are a member of a golf club, pick up a copy of National Club Golfer in the clubhouse now. The, not only has it got a 15-page PGA Championship preview, it's got best golf resorts. So if you're looking for a little trip away this year, there's all the golf resorts are in there. There's the best drivers of 2023. So if you're new, looking for a new big stick, and there's some bits from Steve Carroll about handicapping, which is really interesting if that is your bag as well. What have I written about? I interviewed Jason Duffner. That was really mm-hmm. cool. Um, it's obviously uh, a little bit out of date now because I need to just edit it slightly because he's now pulled out. But he talks. Uh, we talked exclusively about his victory 10 years ago, and it's really, really interesting. So I'd recommend that. I also wrote about Sean McKill's win, which is 20 mm-hmm. years ago now. Talking, We were talking about feeling old earlier. That was 20 years ago. <laughs> I did a little um, one on unforgettable PGA Championships. Which... Yeah, Matt wrote about the unforgettable PGA Championships, which there's just some in there that you just forget. Again, we're talking about how good the PGA, yeah. How good yeah. the PGA is, and that's got some absolutely barnstormers in there. So, yeah, pick up a copy of the magazine or head over to nationalclubgolfer.com. You can read all that. And, yeah, right. Cheers. Enjoy the PGA. I'll see you on the other side. You too. See you in a bit. Cheers, Matt.